Ray Podcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. And today we are in an actual studio. We'll see how this works out. Hopefully it'll sound okay. <laughs> well, you are. Oh, sorry. That's true. Yeah. You're okay. in a studio. I'm not. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> we do have the phone uh, lined up to a professional mic, so yeah. hopefully we'll both sound great. This is, yeah, this is like super, this whole repodcasting situation is like super high tech. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we shouldn't admit that, actually. I don't know. Yeah, let's not, let's not go into the, the details of our, our technical stuff. <laughs> You'll see later on, though, because we will have quote-unquote technical difficulties. <laughs> um, okay, so today we're concluding our series, actually, of um, what Janet aptly named Give Me Your Oscar Perv. Yeah, Lucia, I didn't even say hi to you. Hi, Lucia. <laughs> hi, Janet. <laughs> hi. hi, listeners. <laughs> So, yeah, we're talking um, yeah. about, uh, this is our last, last episode in this series of Give Me Your Oscar, Perv. Yeah, and hopefully no new information comes out, meaning that there is no new information, not meaning that I hope it stays hidden. <laughs> yeah, and we're talking today about the person who inspired this whole series. This is, I'm excited for this. <laughs> Well, you did a nice amount of research for this. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, so we're recasting Manchester by the Sea. Uh, we're recasting Casey Affleck specifically. Uh, now, we did mention, um, I think, in our Rain Man episode that it was Casey Affleck who inspired the series um, because we were pretty bummed out that he was winning all the awards in the year that Manchester by the Sea came out. And then he ended up winning the Oscar. And, um, you know, there have been allegations against him uh, for some pretty bad sexual misconduct. So yeah, give us your Oscar perv. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to go to Casey Affleck's house and just be like, give me your Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> because for like, I don't know if, if you even know this, but like, I really dislike Casey Affleck. Like, I think I dislike him more than I dislike Kevin Spacey. Whoa. Casey Affleck is like, actually never, Casey Affleck and Ben Affleck are like my mortal enemies. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... they just don't know it. <laughs> they don't know me. But yeah, Casey Affleck really gets on my nerves. So let's just dive right in and, and start recasting this. So we want to talk, do you want to do a synopsis? Uh, well, if you want, you can do the box office first. Okay, let's do box office. So the budget for this movie was $9 million, okay. which, you know, it's like that's a nice little sum for when you think that it was considered like an independent right. film because this went to Sunday. Janet? Yeah, I'm oh. here. Sorry, technical okay. difficulties here. It's, <laughs> Just for anyone who's listening and for you too, Lucia, like we're having a, a bad storm here in Toronto, so hopefully we don't get cut out. So yeah, so this movie, Manchester by the Sea, it went to Sundance and uh, just like a, a quick sort of aside or whatever, it got scooped up for like $10 million oh. by Amazon, which at oh, the time right. was like... I, huge like it was a big deal because it was considered like an independent film right so 10 million for it to be sold for 10 million is is a lot of money yeah i forgot this um, was the first amazon film to be nominated for an oscar and then to win as well ah okay um so it went on to do a box office of 79 million dollars wow which is it's impressive yeah i think that's pretty good considering yeah. Considering all kinds of things, that's very impressive. Yeah. And uh, just quickly, this was written and directed by Kenneth Lonergan. And for the Oscars, like it won the Best Actor Oscar, and it also won Best Original Screenplay. Right. 
Um, yeah, and then the synopsis of this movie is, a depressed uncle is asked to take care of his teenage nephew after the boy's father dies. So this is a bummer of a movie, and it tells you right there in the, the description. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you, like, because you and I have not discussed this movie at all, um, what did you, like, what did, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? I think enjoy is definitely the wrong word. I would not say I enjoyed it. Um, okay. I, I think that it is not a bad movie. Um, right. I also think that it's maybe not for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, you know, it's honestly, that's a really simple question, but it's really hard for me to answer in this case. I don't know okay. if I liked it. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I liked it. I thought it was very well done. Okay. I did. And I thought that it was a very realistic portrayal of what grief looks like. Yeah. Um, like it really that's where I thought that it this movie really shines and that it it was very real and I think that's why the screenplay like the screenplay is very good absolutely mm -hmm. like I think he deserved to win the Oscar for the screenplay okay um because I thought the screenplay was brilliant and I thought that it was it was just a very real portrayal of grief so i really appreciated that part of the movie and i thought the cinematography was beautiful as well okay like i thought they did a really good job on uh, like shooting it or like just the whole look of it i thought it was uh it was very well done yeah i am um, as soon as i finished the movie i thought what, like, this guy, the hero, quote-unquote, of the movie, had no... It kind of felt in the moment that he didn't have much of a journey. Like, at the end, he still felt pretty similar to at the beginning. There were some small changes, but nothing major. But then as I thought about it, like... Because now it's been probably about a week since I watched it. And, I mean... It, now that it sat with me for a little bit, I agree with you that that was a very real portrayal of grief. And initially, I guess I was just expecting, you know, a movie and that movies aren't necessarily like real life. And so at first I was really, really annoyed. Um, but yeah, that part of it, I think it did really well. Yeah, because see, and that's why, like, I felt that it was a very real portrayal, because I think what happens with a lot of movies is they get super Hollywoodized, mm -hmm. right? You always expect there not necessarily to be a happy ending, but you expect, like, the the main character, especially in a movie like this, uh, to have some sort of personal growth or some sort of catharsis, right? Yeah. And he doesn't. And that's where I felt that it really rang true, because I think for some people, like, we're not, maybe we can go into it. I don't want to do too many spoilers, but... <laughs> The yeah, please watch this movie like, before listening to this episode. Yeah, the movie is also two years old. Like, I feel like a lot of people have seen it. Um, but, you know, he's a very, he's a shell of a human being. And yeah. he has suffered this sort of horrendous tragedy in his life. And it's like an abyss yeah. of sadness and grief. And he doesn't come back from it. No. And that's where I thought felt that it was very real because that is real. There, yeah. that happens to people sometimes. They suffer some, whether it be grief or some sort of other extreme life experience. And not everybody grows. Yeah. Some people like get stuck in it and never come back from it. So that's where I felt that the movie and the screenplay were very real. Yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah, and considering exactly what he had been through, I think it would not make sense for him to, like, come out in the end like, okay, things are okay now, I'm fine. Right, the way a lot of movies, like, try to Hollywoodize things, right? Like, yay, everything's okay in the end, or yeah. you see this person, like, reach some sort of breakthrough in their lives. That doesn't happen for everyone. Yeah, I agree. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's okay. start do you want to, is there anything else you want to talk about before we restart recasting? No, please go ahead. 
Oh, do you want me to go first? Yeah. No, I think you should. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you, like, this was your idea, this whole series. Oh so I definitely think that you should have the honor of going first. Okay. So I am also not a fan of Casey Affleck at all. Never have been. I don't think he does anything impressive. I have never seen him do anything impressive on screen. So when I first started trying to recast this, I was like, okay, well, let's try to think of, you know, people who are about the same age. And I started looking at lists and I was like, initially, I think I had a list of like 15 people who I think would be better than Casey Affleck in this role. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, this person would be better, this person would be better. So I had to narrow that down. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how many you'll let me say. Um, I've narrowed it down to, let's say, four or five. <laughs> yeah, like, that's fine. Okay. Sure. Okay. Okay, so my first one is Adrian Brody from The Pianist and Grand Budapest Hotel, Midnight in Paris. He, you know, initially when I thought of him, I thought that... I don't know if he really fits the part physically in terms of just what I was picturing or assuming. But then one thing that I think he does really well is he can do a lot with his face without speaking. Um, I thought you were going to say he can do a really good Boston accent. <laughs> that is the only requirement. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that he, uh, I think he can show a lot and emote a lot and and so I really felt that I wanted to watch him do this part so that's why I landed on him as my number one choice and then so the second choice was Joaquin Phoenix from her from Walk the Line I think kind of he maybe in terms of again just what I was picturing because there's no actual physical description of this character um Joaquin Phoenix I think actually fits physically a little bit better what I was imagining and he's great in everything he does like he really is he really puts everything into his roles let's say so I think that he could have really done something special with this as well Can I interrupt you for a sec Of course I agree with you. I think Joaquin Phoenix would actually be better than Adrian Brody. I can't picture Adrian Brody in this role, and I'm trying really hard, but I can't. Like, I could see Joaquin Phoenix doing it, definitely. Yeah, I'd say let it sit with you for a bit, because admittedly, like, for me, it was one that grew on me. It was a choice that grew on me. And who knows, maybe you'll never agree. That's fine. <laughs> um, then my next one is, um, I don't know if you'll know who this is, or if anyone will know who this is listening. Kyle Kinane. He's a comedian. You know how so often when a comedian does a dramatic role, they just knock it out of the park? And I feel like Kyle Kinane does have kind of a... I don't know, like a darker or a sadder undertone. I don't, like, I feel, I don't want to insult him or anything, but I do feel like he could really, I bet he would really play this role very well. Oh. Okay, but where would we know this guy from? Oh, sorry, yes, of course. Um, he was in Funny People and The House, and um, in the TV show, the Netflix show Love, he had a couple of uh, episodes in that. But he, like, honestly, I feel like you'd know him from stand-up. Because I I kind of went through his IMDb and there wasn't a lot where I feel like a lot of people would recognize him. So yeah, I would I would have to Google him. I've yeah. I don't even know his name. I've never heard of him. Okay, well, anybody listening, Google Kyle Kinane and watch yeah. watch like a little bit of his stand up and uh, and then try to picture it because I think he would be really good. <laughs> okay. Okay, and then my fourth choice is Ryan Gosling. Nice. Yeah, who I also think is one of those actors who can do so much without speaking. And he's shown that in quite a few of his yeah, movies. Yeah, oh, of course, of course. So, yeah. so yeah, he would be amazing in this role. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, my last one is someone who also, I think, does the face acting, I'll call it, really well, is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, those are good. Uh, yeah, I'm not... I don't know. I, like, I can't. I think Joaquin Phoenix is my favorite one that you. Well, obviously, like, I like Ryan Gosling and, and Jake Gyllenhaal, of course. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, like, I can't see 
see Adrian Brody doing this role. I don't know. That's it's hard fair. for me to picture him That's doing fair. it. You've seen The Pianist, right? Of course. Okay. I thought you had. I just wasn't positive. <laughs> yeah, of okay. course. Yeah. I've seen a lot of his work. Well, I know you don't watch Peaky Blinders. Right. But that's what he did, I think, most recently, or at least what he's best known for recently. He did a season of Peaky Blinders. Mm. He played Luca Cengretta. <laughs> and he was so good on it. Yeah, he was amazing. Ugh, I have to watch this show. Yeah. You won't like it. Oh, really? But okay. I don't think you'll enjoy it. But it's a great show. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So, yeah. so those are my five picks, and I won't mention the other, like, seven that I have written down. The other, the other 50 that you had. <laughs> you know, before I start with my choices, we should probably just mention who Casey Affleck was up against oh, that year for Best sure. Actor. I just want to mention it. So um, he was up against Ryan Gosling for mm. La La Land, and then there was Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge. Denzel Washington mm. for Fences, who I actually thought was going to win the Oscar because he won the SAG Award right. that year as well. And then Viggo Mortensen was nominated that year as well. For Captain Fantastic? For Captain Fantastic, which I have not seen yet. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I've heard it's really good. I have mm -hmm. to watch that. But like, that's the thing. You, know, you look at all those actors and you just think out of all those actors... Casey Affleck now has an Oscar. Yeah, and to be honest, like listening, not just those actors, but those actors in those roles, and I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge, but I saw the rest of them. To me, Casey Affleck is literally the fifth choice of those five. Never mind. Like, when you think of how many accomplished yeah. actors don't have Oscars yet, but Casey Affleck has one, <laughs> like that, no, come on, that is a huge insult to yeah. like. Okay, for example, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal has busted his ass in some roles that he definitely deserved recognition for. Like, the first one off the top of my head is Nightcrawler. Of course. And wasn't like, Nightcrawler fact, even in that same year, or am I wrong? I remember he was snubbed for it, like, not even nominated. No, it wasn't the same year, but um, I don't think it was. But I'm just saying, okay. like, off the top of my head, when you think of a performance like that, and you think that that wasn't recognized yeah. for an Oscar nomination, you, you know, you you think of like John Malkovich, for example. John Malkovich does not have an Oscar. Yeah, that's that's criminal. Like that's uh, insane. You know, think you think of like Amy Adams doesn't have an Oscar, wow. even though she's been nominated so many times. Like it just really it gets under my skin that so many accomplished people don't have Oscars. And yeah. I know that like okay, it's just an award and whatever. It's it's about the work and or at least that's what people <laughs> say and stuff. But still. Like, you look at Casey Affleck, and would you ever have guessed that Casey Affleck would have won an Oscar? No, that's ridiculous. No, of course not, right? Yeah. He managed to get this role because of the fact that he was good friends yeah. with Kenneth Lonergan, right? Absolutely. Just to give a little bit of background on it, Matt Damon was one of the producers on, on this movie. So obviously, Matt Damon is close friends with uh, Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck is close friends with Kenneth Lonergan. There was no auditioning process for this role. I'm sure, yeah. It was just a matter of, I'm going to give it to my buddy, Casey Affleck. Here's this amazing role. And that, like, when I was watching the movie, I think that was the thing that really irritated me as well. It was like, this is a great role. Like, I'm sure any actor would look at this role and go, holy shit, this is an amazing role. Like, I want to play this, yeah. right? It's such a meaty role for somebody who is an accomplished actor, in my opinion. And, like, who did it go to? It went to Casey Affleck. Yeah, I know. That's like, wrong. That's a waste. And here's the thing. When we decided that we were going to do Casey Affleck and we were going to talk about this, I actually sat down and challenged myself to watch some of his work because I thought, you know, maybe I'm not being fair to Casey Affleck. Like, maybe I'm judging him and I actually haven't seen a lot of his work, so maybe I should see some of his stuff. And I actually watched five Casey Affleck Good movies. Good lord. In 
preparation for this podcast, and I will say this, he still doesn't impress me <laughs> as an actor. I think that he is someone who basically, like this, the way he played Lee Chandler mm-hmm. is basically the way he plays all of his characters. Yeah. He's just kind uh, of there. He didn't do anything, I felt like, most of the time. Yeah. I felt that if this role had been given to someone different, they could have done so much more with it. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to chime in quick. You mentioned that there was no casting process, no auditioning kind of thing. I think you're absolutely right because on top of them being friends, usually I can find lists of other people who were considered and that didn't exist for this movie. Yeah, well, here's the thing. There was uh, an article in The New Yorker about Kenneth Lonergan, which I forwarded to Lucia because there, it gave a lot of background info mm-hmm. and about his career, and it talked a lot about Manchester by the Sea. And one of the things that it talked about was that when he wrote the screenplay for Manchester by the Sea, Matt Damon agreed to play Lee Chandler. And to direct, initially. Yeah, and, yeah. and to direct. He said he, and so then, yeah, and then he... Then he, he backed out of directing because he said that the story was, like, so personal, I guess, basically. He said that it really should be Kenneth Lonergan directing. Right, but he then he said that he would still star in it. Right. So then, because of scheduling conflicts, he couldn't be in it. So then obviously they just handed it over to Casey Affleck. Yeah. That was the way I understood it. Absolutely. In the in the article. That was kind of so there was no casting process yeah. for this. And I think that's that really goes to show the way a lot of these roles end up with certain actors. Because yeah. I think once you get into like the higher sort of stratosphere of, you know, certain projects, like it just goes to your friends. And I think that's why sometimes you see certain actors in certain roles and it's like, well, why did this person get it? Like, they're so not suited for the role. And yet it's like, well, because their friend gave it to them. Yeah. And that's why you often see directors, especially once they reach a certain level, having the same actors repeatedly in all their movies. Exactly. And you know who comes to mind is Wes Anderson. For sure. And here's the thing. I love... Wes Anderson, I love his work. I'm a huge fan, but it's always the same people in his movies. Yeah, luckily he has uh, really talented friends. <laughs> he does, but at the same time, you're kind of like, well, I'd like to see different people in his movies once in a while. Yeah, it's true. So, not just, I mean, I've already strayed, I've, off, I've gone off on a tangent, but basically, you know, what, watching the movie, that was kind of how I felt was, this was a great role, and Casey Affleck got it, and from what I saw of Casey Affleck's work, it's always the same character that he's playing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a range. Yeah. I don't think he's talented. I'm just going to say it. In my opinion, Casey Affleck is not talented. And he's an okay actor, but he's mediocre. Like, yeah. that's just it. He's mediocre. And he never enunciates. That's <laughs> the thing that really bugs me when he's talking. It's like... Can you, like, say your words so that I don't have to, like, uh, turn on the subtitles? I always turn on like, the subtitles, so I yeah, always like when find... Yeah, Vin Diesel, when I have to turn on the subtitles for Vin Diesel, oh. okay, I understand that. <laughs> but for Casey Affleck, it's like he doesn't enunciate. It's yeah. so irritating, and his characters are always just really indifferent. <laughs> like, there's just this indifference, the way he plays everything. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, I don't think that what he did with Lee Chandler. I think it was a great role, but I don't think that what he did was Oscar worthy. Yeah. But I think the role is Oscar worthy. That's the thing. Yes. And I think that with a different actor, I would have understood that Oscar being one. ATB's new podcast, We Are Alberta, tells the stories of incredible people and places that make up what being Albertan is all about. From oil fields to cannabis oil, Alberta's landscape and economy are ever-changing, and economist Nick Ford is helping to give a voice to those changes. Discover these hidden gems across the province on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere pods are generally cast. And now, back to the show. When 
I was going through my casting process, I thought, okay, Lee Chandler, that character is somebody who, he's basically, he's just a shell of a human being, right? Mm -hmm. He's like this really sad person, and he's just consumed by it. But he's also kind of a loner. Yeah. Right? He's a loner. He's like this broken man. He's, he's really quiet. He's not super verbose. So a lot of the emotion has to come through on his face. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted an actor who could play that, where you can see the emotions on their face and, yes. um, or even just in their eyes. There are certain actors that they act even just like with their eyes. You see it all like in a glance or a certain look, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody who could play like a really quiet role and, you know, really give us that that sense of like this is a broken person right so the first person that I thought of was Ryan Gosling (laughs) Uh, he was my first choice because I think that he totally could have done this role and it's a shame that he was nominated for La La Land that year like I wish that Ryan Gosling had been given this role I really do because he definitely would have won the Oscar if he had been given this role of Lee Chandler I think so like Brian Gosling would have kicked ass on it. He <laughs> completely could have done it because when you see like other movies that he's done, like in Half Nelson or even in Drive, yeah, like when you think about what he does in Drive, he barely has any dialogue whatsoever. Yes. I was totally thinking of Drive and The Place Beyond the Pines. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of Drive, but I was also thinking of Half Nelson, too, mm-hmm. because there's certain parts in Half Nelson where, like, you just get so much emotion just from, like, a look that he's giving. Yeah. Um, and even in the, the most recent movie that he was in, First Man, where mm-hmm. he plays Neil Armstrong, like, that was a very quiet sort of performance as well. And, okay. I mean, he pulled it off beautifully. So he was my first choice. Nice. Um, my second choice was Jake Gyllenhaal. No way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's because, great. like, honestly, they were the, the two actors that I kept thinking of the whole time I was watching the movie. I was like, Brian Gosling or even, like, Jake Gyllenhaal totally could have nailed this performance, yeah. I think beautifully as well I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with it and again like I wish that this was something that had been offered to him at least if he'd been given that opportunity because I think if Jake Gyllenhaal played this again I think he easily could have won the Oscar and like deserved the win you know what I mean and I think he's another actor that is so good at those types of performances really quiet sort of but giving you so much like I think He's good at those understated sort of performances. And then the third person that I thought of, because I was like you, I mean, I didn't have 15 actors, <laughs> but I had at least 10, and then I narrowed it down to three, because that's the thing. It's like there's so many other actors who would have done such a better job with this role than what Casey Affleck did with it. For sure. Um, my third choice was Killian Murphy. Oh, Killian Murphy is amazing at this sort of performance. Really quiet. He's another one who's so good at emoting just through a look. And I've seen a lot of the independent stuff that he's done because he hasn't done anything like super. He's done a couple of blockbusters, but for the most part, Killian Murphy's film career has been smaller sort of independent film, right? Yeah, Janet, for anybody who maybe doesn't know who Killian Murphy is, you could say a few roles. If you don't know who Killian Murphy is, wow. Well, like you said, a lot of his roles are more independent. (laughs) They are, but I feel like a lot of people know him from Peaky Blinders. A lot of people watch Peaky Blinders, Lucia. You don't. (laughs) It's on Netflix. A lot of people watch it. But yeah, if you don't know who Killian Killian (laughs) Blinders, if you don't know who Killian Murphy is, uh, he is Thomas Shelby on Peaky Blinders. I feel like that's what everybody knows him from now. And he was in The Dark Knight. He was in Inception. Um, I mean, he's been around a long time. He He, was in Inception? uh, Sorry? I forgot he was in Inception. He was. I mean, that's an older movie, but he's in that. Yeah. He was also in Dunkirk. 
Yeah, he was in Dunkirk. But, like, he's easily forgettable in Dunkirk, right? He was so good, though. He was good, but I feel like people wouldn't necessarily watch it and go, oh, hey, like, I remember Killian Murphy in it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his, Mm -hmm. but I feel like most people will know him from Peaky Blinders. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like he was my third choice and I think he would have done a great job as well. Mm -hmm. For me, well, obviously I agree with Ryan Gosling and Jake Gyllenhaal and I do think Killian Murphy would have done a very good job, but I also kind of like you had trouble picturing Adrian Brody. I kind of am having trouble picturing him doing the role. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like it's one I think he could handle. He certainly is talented enough, but I'm just having trouble picturing him. He's too pretty. I don't know. Attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so attractive. <laughs> but I guess some people maybe look at Casey Affleck and think he's attractive. Whoa. Yeah, fair enough. I don't. Me neither. But I'm sure there's someone out there who thinks he's a hot piece of ass. Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure there are. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, that's awesome. That, but see, so right there, just immediately, we came up with what six people who would have been better. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, anyway. but. Uh, you know, it's like we were saying, it's a case of it just went to the director's friend. Like, they just handed it off to him. Because if you notice, also in the movie, Matthew Broderick is in the movie as well. <laughs> I was just about to bring him up. <laughs> yeah, and which I thought, I was like, what the hell? Why is Matthew Broderick is in this movie? Yes. But then reading that whole long read in the new yorker about kenneth lonergan you find out that he and matthew broderick have known each other since childhood exactly they went to high school together right and uh, matthew broderick was also in margaret kenneth lonergan's previous movie right so i mean obviously that's kenneth lonergan's thing he just casts all his good friends sure yeah and in this case, it happened to be, like, an Oscar-worthy role. Yeah. And Casey Affleck, like, it just landed in his lap, right? I know. It's, it's like, crazy. yeah, it's, it's just, like, this amazing role that I'm sure some actors would love to have the opportunity to have. It just fell in this slacker's lap. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that Kenneth Lonergan had a cameo in Manchester by the Sea? Yes, I did. Yeah, he was the guy who yelled, nice parenting. (laughs) Yeah, well, he puts himself in all his films. Right, yeah. He's only done three. And I'm just going to say, when I read that about directors, I always do like a huge eye roll on that. (laughs) It's like Stan Lee. So Kenneth Lonergan has like a Lonerverse, Lonerganverse. There's There's just something about it that makes me really go, oh, really? Like, you have to be in the movie as well? Oh, okay. I don't know. Is your, could your ego be any larger? Well, okay. So now I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second because talking about his previous movie, Margaret, his cut of the movie was three and a half hours, I think it said in the article, and he refused to cut it down. The studio was asking for two and a half hours, which already, that's long. That's not nothing. And he just refused and held it up for years and years. And so he was basically like in this funk. And Matthew, what's his name? Matthew Damon, Matt Damon asked him to write this movie to kind of help him get out of the slump. Yeah, exactly. That's all from the article that we that we got that from. If anybody wants to read that article, we can throw it up on our social media afterwards because it's really good if anyone's interested in the background on Kenneth Lonergan and, and Manchester by the Sea. But basically, like that's how this project even came into being. Everyone, you know, Kenneth Lonergan was in such a bad place after this movie, Margaret, that he made that, like, it sat in post-production hell for, like, five years. And he was emotionally and creatively, he was in such a bad place. And so Matt Damon was so worried about his friend that they commissioned a script from him and they got him paid because he was broke exactly like after this movie margaret 
that he made that took so long to be released, he was also in trouble financially. It drained him of a lot of his finances. So Matt Damon was so worried about him that he was like, here, I'm commissioning a script from you. And then that's when Kenneth Lonergan wrote Manchester by the Sea. Exactly. So... I don't know. It's just like this little coven of, like, it's Matt Damon. And and you know what I thought was interesting is that John Krasinski is part of this little brotherhood of friends. Yes. Too, right? He's one of the producers on the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the way I had initially read it before you sent me that article was that John Krasinski and Matt Damon had gone to Lonergan and asked him to write this movie. Yeah, so John Krasinski is part of this little clique. They have these projects, and then they just give these jobs to their buddies. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know. That's kind of when you see how, you know, certain actors, when they say that they don't have the opportunity at certain roles, that's when you understand the whole insiderness of it and how it works. And it's like, well, if you're not friends with Kenneth Lonergan or if you're not friends with Steven Spielberg or if you're not friends with so-and-so, then you're not being considered for certain projects. And that's where you see that oftentimes certain actors end up in roles that you kind of go, oh, like, what the heck? How did this person end up here? Or this person is totally miscast in this role. Well, you know, their buddy cast them in the role. So Absolutely. And that's totally what happened with Casey Affleck. And I mean, for anybody who doesn't know about the allegations against Casey Affleck, like you can just Google it. We're not going to go into it. And again, they're allegations. We don't want Casey Affleck to come in. <laughs> and sue us for libel. Podcasting. <laughs> um, but we can't afford it. Sorry, Casey Affleck. <laughs> yeah, Casey Affleck's supposedly a real perv. And... Uh, <laughs> Right out, I love that right after we're like, please don't sue us. You say he's a real perv. Yeah, he's a perv. And you know what? I believe the allegations. Oh, me too. I don't care. Come and sue me, Casey Affleck. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I believe the allegations 150%. Yeah. So um, at the Oscars that year, the previous year's best actress winner is the one who presents the best actor Oscar. So that was Brie Larson. She had won for Room the year before. So she presented him with the Oscar and I guess she had a notably muted reaction to when he won and she didn't applaud. She spoke out afterwards saying that it's because of the allegations and she didn't agree with it and you know she was involved in the Me Too movement and then there were some people who petitioned to have Casey Affleck not present the award the following year to the best actress and he didn't he didn't no he didn't he opted out of it yeah and i mean that was probably the best thing that he could have done absolutely yeah i was surprised that he chose not to do it but at the same time it was like you know i don't know who was advising him Mm -hmm. certainly not ben affleck Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ben Affleck would not have given him that good advice. You know, I thought, okay, well, at least he didn't present the following year. Yeah, yeah. whoever was advising him, I do think that that was a good decision, at least. But I wonder, does Casey Affleck thinks, thinks, <laughs> does he think that he deserved that Oscar? You know what I mean? Wasn't like, he campaigning super hard? I don't know. I can't remember. I got that I impression. Remember. I was too focused that year on Ryan Gosling being nominated. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. I think that Ryan Gosling didn't campaign hard enough that year. Sure. Now, you mentioned Denzel Washington having been nominated for Fences and having won the SAG. It happens really, really often that whoever wins the SAG Award for Best Actor ends up winning the Oscar. Um, This was like the first time in 14 years or something like that, that it didn't happen. Yeah. I don't know. You know, somebody voted for Casey Affleck, obviously. Here's what I think. I think if Ryan Gosling had actually put some muscle into his Oscar campaign. I think if he had campaigned a little harder, I wonder if the outcome would have been different. Well, the thing too is his role, like he was spectacular in La La Land. I think he was very good. I think he did something impressive with the role, but also I feel like 
really often the Oscars go to either portrayals of real people, something really heavy, something really dramatic. So, you know, just being up against those roles, like Fence's role for Denzel and, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know that he could have won just based on that. I No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But still, I just, I wish he had put more muscle into his Oscar <laughs> campaign. Let's put it that way. Okay. Like, I wish he had done more. I don't think he shook enough hands and did enough. I'm not saying that he necessarily would have won it, but yeah, I just wish that he'd, I wish he'd pushed it a little harder with his Oscar campaign that year. Okay. So for this, I mentioned this to you, Janet, like a couple days ago, I have almost no trivia or, you know, little fun facts for this movie. So, um, I don't know if you have anything else to add. I have no fun facts. Okay. This movie is not fun. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's sad. It's sad and heavy. And I mean, it's definitely, I think it's a worthwhile watch, but yeah, it's definitely heavy for sure. Yeah. The one thing I will say that I didn't like about the movie was, um, and I don't know what you thought of it, but was the constant music throughout the movie. It wasn't enough for me to notice. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like for me, I was watching it and I was totally getting Woody Allen vibes. <laughs> oh, really? Because you know how Woody Allen usually has like music going through his movies? Mm-hmm. That's what I got with this one. That music, it was constant. It was just like enough with this music. I watched this in three separate chunks because it's long. And so I watched it like 40 minutes at a time kind of thing. Oh, okay. So maybe that has something to do with why the constant music didn't reach me. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I have no fun facts. So yeah, do we want to do our Tony Danza? Well, first I'll just say the ratings that I found online. So IMDb, the rating for this was 96%. Oh, yeah. And then Rotten Tomatoes, it was 96% also. Yeah, it's a popular movie, right? I feel like a lot of people saw it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And liked it. It definitely got critical acclaim for sure. Yeah. And considering that it is an Amazon movie, I think Mm -hmm. the amount of money that it made is impressive too, because imagine how many people just watched it on their Amazon Prime account. Oh, okay. So, yeah. As you all know by now, Repodcasting is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Why not check out some of the other amazing shows on the Alberta Podcast Network, like Press Start to Join, the home of more geekery than you can shake a joystick at. Hosts Josh and Alan talk about video games, movies, TV, comics, Star Wars, and the like. Check it out now, and so many other amazing shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And now, back to the show. So now it is time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza. <laughs> and there are technical difficulties. I can't play the theme today. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so this is uh, Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into a role in this movie. And this time I will let Janet go first. Why? Because I forgot to cast him? Well, but <laughs> no, but you did in the meantime, right? Oh, I guess. Okay, <laughs> let me see. I think I would cast Tony Danza as the sympathetic lawyer <laughs> <laughs> who is, like, advising Casey Affleck's character, Lee, during, like, the whole procedures of the whole legal stuff that he has. He needs all the legal advice for. I would okay. cast Tony Danza as the lawyer. Okay. I cast him as Joe Chandler, Lee Chandler's brother, with the heart defect. No, why did you do that? Because the character of Joe is a really good guy. He's really caring. He's a good dad. He's a good brother. I mean, yes, it's sad that, spoiler alert, that this character dies. Not even spoiler alert. That was literally in the synopsis. I know. It's it's right in there. Yeah, but so obviously it's that sad, and I, you know, I it's not that I want to cast Tony Danza in a dying role, but I think that he would have done that role beautifully. So you essentially you killed off so, Tony Danza. No. <laughs> no, I wanted to see him in that like he could be that wonderful yeah. guy. You would totally buy him. I know, I know what you're saying. Definitely, Tony Danza could play that role beautifully. Yeah. He'd probably play it better than the 
guy who was in it. Kyle Chandler. The guy. What was his name? Kyle Chandler. Oh, him! Oh yes. my god, I totally <laughs> forgot who played Amazing. the brother. That's right, Kyle Chandler. He's the guy from Friday Night Light. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, get rid of Kyle Chandler. Uh, Put Tony Danza in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I think we did this movie proud. We uh, we put in some impressive casting choices. We put Tony Danza in there. And all that's left to do is, uh, well, we're going to talk about our movie challenge, finally. I know you people have been on pins and needles waiting for months. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> the people listening have just been like dying to hear about our movie challenge. Yeah, so we will talk about that. But first, I'll say that uh, next month, the movie that we'll be recasting is Hitch. It is available on Netflix. And um, yeah, so give that a watch and then recast along with us. Yes. Yeah, as usual, we are repodcasting on all the social media stuff. You can email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. We did get a couple of listener emails that we haven't talked about yet, so we can talk about those in our next episode. We're very happy. Thank you for emailing us. And, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and now we'll talk about our movie challenge. So, Janet, what was the last movie that you watched? Oh my gosh, I've completely lost all my notes. <laughs> uh oh. That's how impressed I was with the movie. I'm was it called this. Sleeping with Other People? Sleeping with Other People, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, and it starred Jason Sudeikis, Allison Bree, Amanda Peet yeah. is in it, yeah. Jason Mantzoukas. Yay! And I, I can't remember the name of the actress who plays his wife. Andrea Savage. Andrea Savage, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and that other little dude is in it. The one that you like. What? The little dude? What little Adam dude? Adam Scott. Oh. <laughs> Adam Scott. Oh, why Why would you refer to him as that little dude? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I didn't like sleeping with other... What's it called? Sleeping with other people? Yes. Yeah, I didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. You know... Uh, I think we, I initially had told you about this, that I felt like movies like Sleeping with Other People should have their own subgenre <laughs> because uh, it's a romantic comedy, right? Mm -hmm. But then the subgenre should be romantic comedies where the guy and girl agree to just be best friends even though they secretly love each other and, you know, want to have sex. And, but they pretend to be best friends for the longest time. And then they're giving each other advice about other relationships and pretending to be best friends. I feel like that should be a sub-genre of movie because I've seen so many movies like that. Really? And it's... Yeah, and it's fun. or so many romantic comedies anyway that are, seem to be like that. And it's funny because the woman who wrote Sleeping with Other People, I think her name is Leslie Headland. She said that when she was pitching the movie, she pitched it as it's when Harry met Sally, but with assholes. In it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I thought, wow, she really knew how to pitch her own movie because that's exactly how I would describe it. But see, um, to me, When Harry Met Sally is the only other movie that I would think of that fits this mm, very specific subgenre you're talking about. No, I've seen other movies. I can't think of them all now, but I <laughs> know right. that I have seen lots of other romantic comedies where the two main people are they're pretending to be best friends, even though they're secretly like they love each other so much. And I just, I didn't think it was like there was anything smart about it. You know what? I actually watched a really good romantic comedy on Netflix, and it's called The Incredible Jessica James. Oh, I've never heard yeah, of it. Have you seen this? No. So good. And I thought, I was watching it, and I was like, yes, that is a smart romantic comedy. Like, it was good. It was smart. It was just different. This just felt like, this felt like so many other romantic comedies that I've seen. I don't know. I just didn't care for it. I didn't think much of it. But. That's fair. And I did mention this to you that when I assigned it to you, I had seen it once a couple of years ago and I rewatched it just to be able to kind of discuss it with you. And I liked it less when I saw it this time. <laughs> 
I still liked I it, but just I not that much. Funny. <laughs> Um, I do love uh, Jason Manzukis and Andrea Savage in this, and I want to see their story because they yeah. have amazing chemistry, and those two characters are just so fun and so, like, sweet together. I love them. I know. Like, that's the thing. I was watching it, and I was actually really pissed off <laughs> that they were not getting more screen time. And I thought, why was the movie about Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie, like, these two wet blankets or whatever you want to call them like they were just so boring and then I I was like I want the story about Andrea Savage her character and Jason Mansukas like they were so funny and I was like the romantic comedy should have been about them or they need to make one about them yeah I agree yeah, they were good. Mm-hmm. They're actually, um, Andrea Savage stars in a show called I'm Sorry. Uh, I haven't been able to watch it because I don't know where I can watch it. I think it's one of those things that's hard to find in Canada. Uh, but Jason Manzuka has been in quite a few episodes of that. And like their chemistry in that too is so fun to watch. I've yeah. seen clips, but yeah. yeah, they were both, they were really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for me, so I watched. What movie did you see, Lucia? I watched The Imitation Game with one of my Hollywood boyfriends, Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) Um, I can't believe I hadn't seen it already. Like, that's crazy. But so I was really glad when you picked that one for me. Um, And it was excellent. Like, not surprisingly, it was such a good movie. He was so good in it. Um, I remember he had been nominated for an Oscar the year that that came out, and I'm shocked he didn't win, because I think he lost to Eddie Redmayne that year for um, the Stephen Hawking performance. But yeah, he was excellent, and I'm really glad that Alan Turing's story was being told. Yeah, that movie was so good. Yes. Oh my god. I can't believe you hadn't watched it yet. I know. How can you say that Benedict Cumberbatch is your Hollywood boyfriend and you hadn't watched that movie yet? What kind of a a girlfriend are you, Lucia? I'm not the best girlfriend. (laughs) My husband takes up a lot of my time, so I don't have a lot of time to be a good girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. You have a husband. That's right. Okay. Okay. Okay, well, we are probably going to, like, put the movie challenge kind of on hold for a bit. Uh, we're just both a little busier than usual, and, you know, we still have to watch Hitch, so we don't have time to watch other stuff. And, you know, definitely for anybody who has any movies that they think need to be recast, please send them our way. We would love it if someone would suggest a movie for us to recast. We're just putting it out there. So if you've recently seen something that you were just like, those were the wrong actors, forward it to us. Shoot us an email. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to get some more suggestions. Okay, I think that does it for us this month. Please watch Hitch. Please contact us. And please join us next month on April Fool's Day. Yes. Well, thanks, Lucia. Yeah, thank you, Janet. Thanks for joining me as usual. It was fun. Thanks for doing all that extra research and watching five Casey Affleck movies. Yeah, I, you, I know. Like, I took one for the team. Did you ever? hard. Because I, I sat through five Casey Affleck movies. <laughs> but, yeah, That's why you don't great. have time for the movie challenge. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much, and uh, we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.